Are you starting to doubt God's love for you? Pastor Ed Taylor shares this encouragement today. Maybe you even have some Christian friends that are always saying, well, God doesn't love me anymore, and God doesn't love me in this situation. You just need to open the Bible with them in Romans chapter 8 and show them, no, 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 listen, friend, nothing's going to separate you from the love of Christ, nothing. Nothing's going to take you away from that strength. Nothing's going to take you away from that stability. Not your feelings, not your thoughts. God, he's for you, not against you. He'll never leave you or never forsake you. He's always with me. I'm his child. I've been adopted into the family. He cares for me. He takes care of the opposition. He takes care of the accusation. He takes care of the condemnation. He guards me through persecution so that in life or in death, he is my king, and I love him so. This is amazing grace. These are extraordinary times we're living in as people around the world are being encouraged towards social distancing to prevent the coronavirus outbreak from getting worse. We're told to avoid shaking hands, avoid large gatherings, stay indoors, and stay six feet apart. While a virus like this may lead to temporary separation from one another, it's good to be reminded that nothing can separate us from Jesus' love. That truth is front and center today as we finish Romans chapter 8 on Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor beginning at verse 34. Notice in verse 34, it's Christ that died. There's no condemnation because Christ died. Furthermore, he also rose from the dead, who's even at the right hand of God, notice, who's making intercession for you. Jesus interceding for you in heaven. The Holy Spirit interceding through you and for you here on earth. I love that because Jesus is interceding for us, just like he did with Peter. Praying for Peter, he says, Peter, listen. You can jot this one down. I'll just read it to you in Luke chapter 21. He tells Peter, listen, Satan has indeed asked for you to sift you like wheat, but Peter, I've prayed for you. And that continual interceding that your strength and your power comes from, well, the intercession of Jesus Christ. He knows exactly what to pray for you and me. And even if we begin to condemn ourselves, flip over to 1 John chapter 3. All these enemies, they're so powerful, making Christians lack zeal. I think it's just a move today to get an inward focus. You know, you're reading any, I mean, you got to the Christian bookstore and you start picking up a book, it's a bestseller, somebody recommended it to you, and it's in the Christian bookstore, and it was written by some Christian. Let me tell you, one way to find out if it really is a profitable book for you is if the book points you to Jesus Christ. If the book's just talking a lot about you and a lot about your problems and a lot about all your issues, it's not going to help you that much because you read a book like that and you're all bummed out. I know, I feel like this, I know. You don't need to tell me. And there's like 10 chapters of how horrible you feel. And then one chapter, oh, by the way, you're a Christian. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. You want one that's going to get you out of the rut, bring you up out of the muck and mire, encourage you, even if it's just for a moment. I learned many, many years ago. I learned many years ago when God brings people into my life, like here in the church, you know, as the church 
continues to grow, you're going to meet more people, you're going to know more people, you're going to get involved in more people's lives. And maybe you're down at the Sunday school standing in line to get your kids, and that's how you met another parent, and you get there to get your grandkids, and you're kind of connecting, and you're waiting in line because it's full class that day. And as you begin to talk, they share a need with you. You know, when I was a new believer, I used to take those situations, and I would end them like saying something like, you know, I'll pray for you. And then we'd separate and go our ways. And I would maybe pray for them if I remember, or I might forget, and I'd feel all bummed out. I wonder what I was supposed to pray about. But I remember I worked with a man who never did that. He never broke, our, broke a conversation with me and said, you know, Ed, I think I'll pray for you. You know what he did? He stopped everything. He put his hand on my shoulder, began to pray for me. Just a couple minutes. But in that couple minutes, I was so encouraged. I was so reminded of God's faithfulness in my life. And if it's just for a moment, just a simple prayer. No, but so what happens is the enemy says, oh, it's just a simple prayer. That guy doesn't really care. He only prayed 60 seconds for you. Only prayed, What do you mean he only prayed 60 seconds for you? Praise God that he prayed for you. Took you to the throne room of grace right then and there to get you out of all the thoughts that were swirling around your mind. And if it was just for another day that God said, you know what? I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, sis. I'm here for you, child. Oh, it's so encouraging. And in Luke chapter 21, Jesus just simply said, you know, Peter, all these things are happening in your life. Satan wants to rip you off and sift you like wheat. But the encouragement that Jesus had for Peter wasn't, I'm going to knock Satan in the nose, man. I'm not going to let him sift you like wheat. I'm going to take him out. That wasn't an encouragement. His encouragement was simply, but I have prayed for you. Oh, man, Jesus is praying for me and for you, Christian what he says right there in Romans chapter 8. He's praying for you, making intercession. The battle gets so heavy. The spiritual war so difficult. So many, it's easy just to get sick and tired of the battle. But Jesus is praying for us. And when we fail, there's such a wave of guilt and shame that we bring upon ourselves. It's all of the would-ofs, the could-ofs, the should-ofs. And then there's Jesus saying, you know, there's no condemnation in your life. I've forgiven you for your past. And I'm with you here. And I'm going to be with you. Never leave or forsake you. Which brings us to the fourth enemy of our security in the Lord. Bringing all sorts of anxiety. There's opposition, yes. There's accusation, yes. There's even condemnation, yes. And then in verse 35 to the end, there's persecution. Now, we don't face persecution like our brothers and sisters do around the world, but I think it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time in our system of government here and the way that our culture is going, that Christianity is not going to be allowed, especially in the form that it is now, uh, with the freedom and the open airwaves and, and all the junk that's going on. I think that as Christians, we, not, we need not to just kind of rest and settle in and become comfortable, but we need to rise up and live lives that are godly, that point to Jesus Christ because there's, kind of, there's going to come a day. I really believe there's going to come a day where we see these things. Notice verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Just by the way, any other created thing includes you separating yourself from the love of Jesus Christ. He's going to passionately pursue you in his love. You're any other created thing. 
He says, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know that some of you grew up in an environment where love was used as a tool in your life. It was used as a tool of discipline. It was withheld from you if you didn't do something. You, you were told that you weren't loved. I know that there are many, as the, the days go on, there are environments and ways that you as a little kid was burned into your heart that you weren't loved and you weren't cared for and all these things are happening and then you come into the church of Jesus Christ and it's very, very, very hard for you to believe this. But Paul says, trust God. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. The kind of things that you experienced, the kind of things that you've heard, God does not treat you that way. He's proved it by giving his only begotten son for you and for me. That he loves us. And you may not even fully understand love. I know I don't. I'm continually growing in understanding the love of God in my life. But the more I understand it, the more I love God's love. <laughs> I mean, the more depth that I learn, the height and the width and the depth, I love God's love in my life. I love that he reaches down to me unconditionally. I love that. That he's not hung up on the things that I'm hung up at, but he's always wanting me to grow in him. You know, in verse 35, notice he says, shall tribulation. The word there in the original language refers to, well, it means to put on the pressure, to squeeze. It means to squeeze out, to push down from the outside. It speaks of strains and pressures that you and I face in this life. The things that push down on us. You've felt this before, haven't you? Just the outside pressure, the stress, the pressure, the force of the situation. Then he says, distress, that speaks of the internal Internal pressure, that speaks of, of pressure that results in anxiety and stress. You know, we live in a stressed out society and that's internal. It's all, everything stresses us out. Everything doesn't go our way. We get all stressed out and we take it in and it begins to wear our body down. And so he says, hey, is it going to be outside pressure that separates you? No. Is it going to be the inside pressure that separates you? No. All these problems, these narrow places, the word also gives you the idea of distress of a narrow place. You've heard the phrase between a rock and a hard place. That's what the word means. Just to be in that place where you're pressed and you're squeezed and you don't see any way out of it. Is that going to separate you from God's love? No. Then he mentions persecution. That speaks of persecution because you're a Christian. You didn't get that promotion at work. You know, the context of here, you didn't get that promotion at work. Somebody finds out you're a Christian. They just go around tempting you and taunting you. Uh, you get saved and you, and you separate from your buddies. But then when you get home, there's like a 12-pack on your door. And you're like, hey, man, I told you. You know it's who it's from. They just want to mess with you. They just want to try to tempt you. And, and they know that that's one of your weaknesses. And, and they call you up and say, hey, I just scored such and such. You want to go out with us? And, oh, you don't want to go out. And, hey, so, and it's just this constant persecution just because now you're a Christian try, trying to wear down you as a person belittle you he says famine here in verse 35 is that going to separate you from the love of God those that have no food or nakedness those that have no clothing and what's the context of that in our society well you know famine and nakedness bankruptcy brings a person to that at times where they have nothing somebody that lost their house in a fire it's, everything's gone I mean I just read an article recently I don't know if you saw it but this this woman she had a family emergency, and her husband just died of cancer. She has this family emergency. She leaves for four months. She comes back, and somebody totally ripped off her entire apartment. They took even the little covers of the electrical uh, deal where you plug in. They took everything. She's left to nothing. My heart broke. So I want to get a hold of this gal and minister to her. And she's left with nothing, and she needs to know that not even that, not even the loss of her husband, not even the loss of every worldly possession 
is going to separate her from the love of God. Nothing. God loves her still. Wants to be an encouragement and a comfort to her. He says in verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're more than that. See, Jesus Christ has already won the victory. The idea behind this phrase is that we overwhelmingly conquer. We don't just win, but we really win. We super conquer. It's the kind of victory that when you're done, when you're done with the victory, you have energy left over. I mean, you want to continue on. Where's the next one? Where's the next one? Because in Jesus Christ, he takes us from strength to strength and from glory to glory. That's his work in our lives. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me show you as we wind down today, just to plant, plant some seeds in your life that when all these things come against you, and they do, when all these things happen, Paul, he would know, he has all these things happen in his life and more, and he says, listen, we're more than conquerors. I don't care how people try to beat you down or, or you even beat yourself down, and I can't win, and I never get any shot. Hey, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. In him, we're super conquerors. I love this, this victory that's ours. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, where we have incredible victory through Jesus. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. It's just handed to us. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A few pages over, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're given the victory. See, victory is a gift to be received. It's not something to work for. Just as salvation is a free gift of God, victory is given to Christians by Jesus. You don't work for it. You go, okay, this is where I'm, I've got a big week coming up. Friday's going to be a big day. So I'm just going to dive into the word. I'm going to read my Bible every day, double time. I'm going to pray, double time. I'm going to be in church, double time. I'm going to start serving, double time, because I know Friday's coming. No, no, no. Friday, that victory is already yours. Hey, do double time in the things of the Lord. Fantastic. But understand, victory is already yours. It's been given to you, 1 Corinthians 15. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be to God who always, how often does he lead us? Always leads us in triumph in Christ. Always. That's why the history of your life could be one big backsliding experience. But today, if you want things to be right with the Lord, he will always lead you in triumph right here, right now. Always. Amen. Amen. Always. If you decide to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, does that mean opposition's gone? No. Accusation's gone? No. Uh, you know, condemnations are gone? No. But I'll tell you what, you will have victory in Jesus Christ. Your life will be turned around in him, believer and unbeliever alike. How is it so that God can rescue us from the very pit of destruction? And we're excited. Yes, I'm saved. My life is different. And then over the years, we're like, well, you know, he can't do this in my life. And he can't do that in my life. And he hasn't delivered for me this over here. And, you know, I'm short 50 bucks. And God can't come up with 50 bucks in my life to pay the bill. He can't give me a job. He can't do this over here. And we get into this place where now, you know, I don't think God loves me anymore. It's not true. If all that you could do as me as a pastor could get you to trust God's word, I would be greatly blessed to believe God's word at what it says. I know the feelings come. They come like waves, don't they? Especially those of you that are very feeling-oriented. I mean, they come like waves. It just seemed to wash away the security of the Lord in our lives and the comfort and the encouragement that we have by being saved. 
The waves of insecurity and anxiety seem to wash away my trust in Jesus Christ and undermine my foundation in God's word. But see, God is greater than our feelings. He's greater than our feelings when they're down. He's greater than our feelings when they're up. God is much greater, much more encouraging, much stronger. Victory in Jesus Christ is a gift to receive, not a work to do. He has fought the fight. On the cross of Jesus Christ, he cries out, it is what? It's finished. The work of salvation, the work of redemption is finished. And so the chapter here in Romans chapter 8 ends with great encouragement and great assurance. Paul was persuaded as he goes through these things. Death or life is not going to separate me from God's love. Angels, principalities not going to separate me from God's love. Powers, things present, things to come. He just, his love it, it extends from his very nature because God is love. God's not, his love toward me is not caused by me. It's received by me. He says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever forsake you. Ever. Never. <laughs> His love is just so wonderful in our lives. And we can just grow and grow in the knowledge of His sacrificial, agape, unconditional love. Before we leave, can I just plant a few passages of Scripture in your heart? You can turn with me if you like. I, I encourage you to do that. We're going to go back and forth across from the old to the new. Open up to Hebrews, would you? Chapter 13, and I'll draw your attention to verse 6. Our God is full of love and compassion. And although things are coming to separate you or to try to separate you from the love of God, you shall not be separated from the love of God, Christian. Not be separated from his great enduring love. There can be things in your life that might shade his love from you. There might be things in your life that you hold on to that you're not quite experiencing his love. But God never stops loving you, ever. He's continually reaching to you, towards you, and down in and through you. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. Hebrews 13, 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And so you have a helper in life. The Lord is my helper. Flip back to Psalm 56 now. Psalm 56, 3. This is a few things you can walk through. I mean, every page of the Bible drips with the faithfulness of God. Look at Psalm 56, verse 3. Yes, the Lord is my helper. Psalm 56, 3 says this. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And that's the help of our soul. I will trust in you, Lord. Why? Because you're my helper. Look at Psalm chapter 4, just a few pages to the left. Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. The Lord's my helper. I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I'm going to cling to you. Look at verse 8, Psalm 4. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Because there's safety with him. Back to Deuteronomy now, chapter 33. We're going to be getting into this book. Oh, the word of God is sure and steadfast. It is the very foundation of our life. The Bible says that word of God is settled in heaven. These things, whatever we feel about them, God, he trumps our feelings with his truth. And he says, verse 27, Deuteronomy 33, the eternal God is your refuge. He's a place of safety for you. Your refuge and underneath are, his, are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you. 
He'll guard you and protect you and take care of you. Now flip back to Hebrews chapter 6 as we prepare our hearts for communion. I mean, just considering these wonderful truths, church, so wonderful to know that nothing will separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. All these things are in our lives and they tend to cloud out the faithfulness of God. But the Bible even says that when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. Speaking of this hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that we have this hope as an anchor of the soul. And when a ship throws anchor, it throws anchor down so that it might hit bedrock so that it might not move. It stays there. A ship without an anchor and without thrusters and the engines running is going to drift and it's going to be all over the place. But when an anchor is thrown down, notice, we have an anchor so that our soul will be unmoved no matter what comes our way. We're, we're not spiritual orphans, church, just sent out into the world. You know, Jesus, he saves us. He pours his Holy Spirit into us and he says, okay, kids, go out into the hostile world. I hope you make it, man. I hope you make it. I mean, we don't do that with our own kids. We walk alongside of them. We remind them that we're here for them. We answer the phone when they call, you know. When they come late at night and say, Dad, I'm scared, you open the door and you comfort and you encourage and you help. And in a broken world, you know, Jesus, he super loves us. He cares for us so that we become these super conquerors and I can face these things. I can face them because nothing's going to separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. All these things, yeah, they threaten my feelings of, of security. They threaten my stability and where I where my mind is and how I'm thinking. But they don't separate me from his love. His love is never ending toward us. Never ending. You can't measure God's love by the weight of your failure. You measure God's love by the weight of his sacrifice, of his faithfulness. The truth of God's word always supersedes my feelings. Always. That is Pastor Ed Taylor with a very encouraging lesson today on Abounding Grace called Nothing Can Separate Us from Jesus' Love. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, I love that verse that you quoted from Psalm 56, verse 3, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Would you touch on how that can relate to what people are feeling right now with the pandemic that's taking place? You know, Larry, things changed with this pandemic uh, almost overnight. And change is hard enough, but change that comes overnight, rapid, quickly, outside of our control, uh, removing freedoms from us, uh, so much surrounding and swirling around us that's outside of our control that when we come to the Word of God, and we know that it stood the test of time, that the Word of God has been with us through major world wars, major outbreaks, major plagues, major divisions and difficulties, when we're afraid, we'll trust in you. And there's two parts to that. Number one is the admission that we're afraid. And fear, and just some of you just, you need to know this, fear is a natural response to difficult, traumatic situations. It's not necessarily a bad thing at all. And when I'm afraid, by acknowledging that, I will choose to trust in you. And that's an important part of this uh, responding to the difficulties that we're in right now is there, there are so many things that we don't control, 
But the things that we do control, for example, our choices, we want to be very careful and very focused so that when fear comes up, we acknowledge it and we trust in the Lord. Fear equals fear leads to trust, and that's powerful. Well said. Thanks, my friend. In Hebrews, we read that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to say faith is important would be an understatement. It's the key to a successful Christian life. But what is faith? Where does it come from? And how does it work? What does it accomplish? Those questions and more are uncovered in a book we'd like to recommend to you by Chuck Smith. It's titled, Faith. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of Faith. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with that. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Please also remember it's your financial support that helps us continue Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. We're constantly hearing great reports of what God is doing in our listeners' lives, and your support helps to make that possible. So, thank you. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us, and be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace when we'll continue our series in Romans. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 